1: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrowcom ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrowcom ACAST.
0: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This
2: is Martino Navratilova.
0: I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray.
2: And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
3: Hello and welcome to day 12 of the French Open 2019, the media restaurant of the French Open 2019, where I've had my disappointing dinner, the remnants of which are cast aside, uh, just inches away from Simon Briggs, who joins me this evening. Sorry, sorry about the pile of carrots and <laughs> and unidentified other vegetables. It, it's, it's best not looking too closely, Simon.
1: It does look a little like, like it's been regurgitated once, doesn't it?
3: That's how they serve it, Simon. <laughs> That's yeah. how they roll at the uh, French Open Media Restaurant. It's been uh, well. It's been a rain-free day. Let's celebrate that for start. As I said, day twelve. I thought to myself, "Well, oh, does day eleven even count? Is it, is it day eleven? What is it?" I've does been counting make... my
1: fingers, but yeah, because we start on a Sunday, it's really confusing. Um, well, I mean, I suppose we could say it was nice weather today.
3: Yeah, pleasant weather. Tick. Uh, Tennis-wise, what do we think?
1: Well, there was a good, uh, a, good a great story uh, in the form of Amanda Animasova, but everything else was kind of flat.
3: Do you think she? So she's the standout from today. Oh, by you. by
1: about uh, like a at least a furlong.
3: Seventeen-year-old Amanda Anisimova. It's not easy to say. It's not easy to say. We're all going to have to work on that. Seventeen-year-old uh, Amanda Anisimova, youngest American. Grand Slam semi finalist since Venus Williams at the US Open in, I'm going to say 1999.
1: Well, the only one I can add on this front is if it were to be a Vondrusova Animisova final, that would be the first. over, Simon. <laughs> oh, dear. We can move on to a different match soon. <laughs> uh, it would be the first all teenage Slam final since Serena against Hingis in New York in 1999.
3: Right. Yeah. OK. Well, your stat beats my stat. I mean, for accuracy, if nothing else, because I think it is 99. Anyway, um, Animasova. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> God, it's contagious. I was nailing it earlier today. Anna Samova, 17 years old. She blasted Simona Halep, defending champion, off the court in two straight sets. It yeah. was astonishing.
1: It was. And Halep said afterwards that she hadn't moved the way she wanted to, that she was a little bit nervous. Uh, and then she somewhat almost contradicted herself by saying that this is my chill season.
3: Yeah, well, it's funny. I spoke to her, her coach, Daniel Dobre, a couple of days ago um, ahead of this match. And he's been her coach since I believe they announced that they were working together again in Miami. But he's... He, he's known her since she was a kid. He's, he's been with her at various points of her career. And he said the goal for us this year has always been Wimbledon. Not defending the French Open title. He said almost sort of Federer-esque. He said, I'm seeing this clay court season as preparation for grass. He says, I believe that her game can work perfectly on grass. And her results up to this stage have been a, a sort of weird anomaly on, on that surface. You. May- Making confused faces. I mean, I found it astonishing at the time, but very interesting. But kind of hard to
1: explain how grass could be her best surface with the way she plays.
3: He referenced her sort of Kerber-esque low centre of gravity. Right. And, you know, the the strong thighs and the ability to, to take low balls.
1: But the lack of uh, a appetite to hit winners and the relatively uh, vanilla serve they might
3: count against her. Well, maybe Halep... With Dobre in her corner, will play a more aggressive brand of tennis this cross, grass court season.
1: Mind you, I suppose Kerber never felt like she was redlining it at Wimbledon. It was more that she had the rhythm and then that she had the line forehand, which just destroyed people match after match. I don't see Halep having a the, the line backhand, I suppose. That's her answer to to, to the... Kerber line forehand.
3: But well, she was out backhanded today, wasn't she?
1: Mind you, Animasova's backhand is one of the seven wonders of the world, isn't it? And, <laughs> it? and it's kind of utterly effortless.
3: Matt would probably want me to point out this at this moment that he was an early adopter of the Anisimova backhand. I think it was six days ago on this podcast that he said it's the best backhand in the world.
1: It was certainly that today because not only does she strike it uh, cleanly and. Flat, but she takes it early, uh, incredibly early. She cuts in uh, into the court and cuts out the angles, which saves her and and saves her a lot of leg work. But the point is that she's got that that big, almost a wingspan of the feet, (laughs) if if you can see what I mean. Like she's got those kind of cultish long strides, a little bit Zverevish perhaps. I mean, he's got a wonderful backhand we saw later on today, which he played actually very well today, despite getting trounced. Um. So she reaches the ball, she cuts off the angle, and she puts it up the line. And uh, Halep had no answer to it.
3: Yeah, she. I mean, she was she was dumbfounded again. It was one of those matches where you're sort of waiting for the turning po- turning point, waiting for the penny to drop. And when she was, I think she was a set and three love down, Halep, and I was wondering whether she was remembering being a set and three love down, uh, a set and three love up, in the final here a couple of years ago, and how dramatically things turned. And I was thinking, well, that must give her great hope in a match like this because she's been on the other end of experiencing how how the tide can turn but not to be today I mean she did get broken back over. but then you know almost to her greater credit that she still pushed through in straight sets.
1: Well Halep had a break point for 5-4 so she could have served for the second uh, but let that one slide and then was broken in the next game for the match and uh, her penultimate point was a big double fault um, just that that to me is a mental
3: uh flag on on where Halep's whole head was today. Are you saying she's not going to win Wimbledon, Simona Hallep? Are, are you skeptical? I'd be <laughs> if she won Wimbledon. I mean, it's the plan, Simon. That's their plan, of course. She, she hasn't this... won a tournament this year,
1: uh, which is. 22 different women have won tournaments and she's not among them.
3: Could she be, in the theory of Mary Grillo, too happy?
1: Definitely. I mean, when you listen to that press conference, she was not particularly grumpy about today's results. I mean, she's just lost to a 17-year-old, <laughs> right? She didn't put the pressure on at the end that she might have done and see what happened. She yeah. she allowed Anna Misover to beat her in that final game with a little bit of help. And... I don't think that she has the appetite and she's not, I mean, when she's playing well, there's a djokovic about her that comes from her movement, her court coverage, but she's never somebody who wins the easy points, is she? So she's got to be hungry to be contending for big titles and maybe she'll be hungry at Wimbledon, <laughs> but it hasn't seemed that way thus far this season.
3: They've just been biding their time, Simon. That's what Don- Daniel Dobre is saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, Anna Samova will take on a fellow Grand Slam semi-final debutante tomorrow. She will take on Ash Barty, who won through, also in straight sets, over Madison Keyes. Again, there was a bit of a wobble. She, she failed to, to serve out the match at the first time of asking, but did get the job done in straight sets. Madison Keyes was not happy as she walked off the court, but she was just bamboozled today. By she 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 was sort of stalking around at the back of the court just looking so frustrated. Why? Why are my weapons so impotent? And that's what Ash Barty does to players.
1: Yeah, because she's uh, able to re- reach. Even though she's not tall, she the the, the ability to play squash shots on the forehand and slices on the backhand mean that she suddenly becomes r- really hard to get the ball past. Funnily enough, on the Eurosport channel, they were showing a bit of Gaudio Courier. <laughs> This morning, and it was amazing how often those guys were, were were on one one leg pushing out for for the chops, at, at the far the corners of shots. the court, the squash shots on both sides, which is actually the way that Barty plays now. And it was it was actually almost quite similar watching her taking on the kind of firepower and the long swings of of yeah. Keys, and she played strong service games. Even again, not tall, but she does have a beautifully calibrated serve. Um, and Keyes was unable to put enough pressure on it all the way through.
3: Again, I interviewed her after the match, and you know she was a, she was a joy, as always, ended the interview, said, thanks very much, best of luck. She said, ah, beauty. I, it's my favourite way for interviews to end. She's just, I mean, I've proposed a feature idea to Eurosport entitled Catherine Tries to Become Friends with Ash Barty. I tried that, actually, in,
1: <laughs> um, in, in Madrid. Um, trying to be her friend. Yeah. How did that go? Well, she's brusque, isn't she? <laughs> like uh, you're trying to get a kind of uh, a little bit of what did background you invite about yourself about, to? about no, just an interview and just trying to talk about the, the the court in in Brisbane. I've seen a few clips of where she grew up on and trying to in take Ipswich. it back there. Yeah, that's I- Ipswich, right.
3: Ipswich, Queensland, the
1: other Ipswich. Uh, so she was uh, she was prepared to go uh, a certain way, and it was a perfectly fine interview, but. Uh, she was very much all business. And if you ask a question which isn't quite uh, making sense, then she lets you know about it.
3: Oh, Ash Party. Well, just you're so talking you, about you, the same Ash Party. Yeah, you,
1: you get a pretty brusque answer. Not in, a, not in an unpleasant way. It's more just that she's, a, she's no nonsense.
3: Oh, right. Yeah, good. Well, I mean, you, you're making me worry about my feature, Simon. Um, I mean, it's another opportunity to wheel out that photo of her as a sort of seven year old clutching that trophy, which is the cutest photo that's uh, yeah, ever uh, ever been on but, the but internet. But she's a lot
1: less cuddly than, than you think. And I I, I quite like that. She's got a little bit of an edge about her. She doesn't really want to waste any time and certainly doesn't uh, want to spend any more time answering questions than she has to.
3: Okay, cancel the feature. It sounds like a hospital pass. (laughs) Uh, But she's still, I mean, her no nonsense is... I quite
1: like that. I mean, she's not unpleasant at all. And she does have interesting things to say, but she just uh, isn't going to elaborate or sort of... of, "Ah." I wonder about that question. She's either got the answer ready or she's just going to, or just going to like, let's move on.
3: Hey, well, Anna Simova is not one for elaborating, is she? No, no, that wasn't encouraging. What did you get out of
1: her today? Nothing. (laughs) I mean, even though that was a great match, I'd say that today's press conferences have been an absolute washout.
3: Zverev, Djokovic team, Hatchinov included. Mm,
1: yeah, I couldn't see a usable quote in any of them. Well, I have, I have thrown a few quotes in. What? But uh, my my 500 word men's live report, I think I scrambled it to 480 in order to get down here, and I gave up.
3: They were, they were both. I mean, they were impressive in that they were the two just sublime performances I thought from Novak Djokovic and Dominic team to win through in straight sets over Zverev and Hatchinov respectively. But in terms of Competition and event and drama, they were, they were not much. I suppose you could point to that first set of Zverev against Djokovic. Yeah. Zverev served for it.
1: Yeah, um, I actually enjoyed that match. I was commentating on it and uh, I thought Zverev played quite well today. Uh, <laughs> and he still got squashed.
3: By his, own, by his own recent standards, he did play well, didn't he? he was, finally, that backhand was purring and looking smooth again. I mean, his forehand is can be roping. It's, it's all right from the back it? of the court. Yeah.
1: It's just you, know, you bring him forward. So Djokovic must have played a dozen drop shots, every single one of them to the short Zverev forehand, which is such a legendary weakness, which everyone knows about. So it's almost like um, you, you put that first on your PowerPoint when you're, when you're briefing your, your player. The, actually, in the first set, Zverev hit a couple into the corner, up the line. Every time he approached, he went line. He, not a single time that I saw that he did go cross-court. And he made a couple in the first set but then uh, began to get away from him and, and his percentage definitely went down. And that drop shot must have had an 80 or 90% success rate for Djokovic. Because actually in the kind of mano-a-mano, mano, let's set down at the back and beat each other up, he was probably slightly second best today, Novak. Not because he was missing, but because Zverev was very, very solid and a little bit more forceful. But every time Novak brought in the slice, brought in the drop shot, moves Zverev forward, it became a complete rout because... Zverev came to the net sometimes and looked about as comfortable <laughs> it was as, awkward, as Benoit Paire does when he hits
3: a forehand. It was awkward, wasn't it? So then are we saying that Zverev was lacking in tactical now and therefore maybe lacking in a coach, not to labour the point, but a reminder that Ivan Lendl is laid up with hay fever somebody somewhere coaching over the phone? I mean, that sounds to me like the stuff that a coach does.
1: Maybe, but I don't know how you prevent... Uh, Djokovic bringing you forward on clay I think that's always an option that Djokovic can do and if you have always been a shaky volleyer I don't know how you would sort that out in a day or two.
3: I wasn't in his press conference Djokovic's Simon but I've seen some quotes coming out on Twitter and you're saying there's nothing quotable I'm saying that he referenced Sharon Stone in there
1: Yeah well also Ringo Starr I did get Ringo Starr in my copy but uh, I stopped short of Sharon Stone
3: That sounds good Quotable, I mean, how, how on earth did those things come up for starters? Oh, well, that was a, um, a radio Yorkshire question. <laughs> oh, our very favorite, Jonathan Pinfield. Jonathan Pinfield. So he said, Last week
1: you said that you were on cruise control. Would you like Tom Cruise to play you in a movie? And if not, who are
3: your favorite actors? He loves a pun, does Jonathan, doesn't he? Is that a pun? Yeah, Cruise. Cru- cruise. cruise. But that was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so what did he say? What was his response?
1: Oh, he said uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Sharon Stone and uh, oh, a couple of others uh, who now, their names escape me. I can't say I was riveted by that bit but it was perfectly uh, fine if you're into that kind of thing.
3: Matt has been saying all, all fortnight before he, before he abandoned us for, to wash all his clothes that Dominic Team's role in this draw was to tire Djokovic out in order to give Nadal a chance in the final. Right. Is he going to do that? I mean, well, he's, possibly he's... because
1: the only contest in the men's matches today was who was going to get off court first. So uh, they both started at two thirty. Scheduling, so, we could come to that later. We'll come to that later, Simon. I can see that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was playing into your hands there. Um, they both started at two thirty, and uh, surprisingly, the Team was back in the locker room first, having taken an hour and forty-seven to dispatch Karen Hachanov.
3: Yeah, a bit disappointing from Hachanov today.
1: Possibly, but um, I'm you know, happy to see that team is building. Um, he must be feeling good. I mean, he said afterwards that he'd had, well, this is a quote, maybe I didn't mention it in like a <laughs> copy, but now I come to think about it, it wasn't that, that uninteresting. He said that the first couple of matches he'd had players, that gave him no rhythm. He certainly had Bublick in the second round. Mm,
3: I, I, underarm I, serving, yeah. Uh,
1: so uh, Bublik is a nightmare, a total nightmare for anyone who, who likes rhythm. Um, and it was only after Gael Monfils that he began to really feel his game. Which was that? Was fourth round, wasn't it? Yes. Um,
3: that that the match of the tweener.
1: Oh, the tweener that was the best shot I've ever seen live.
3: You saw it live.
1: I was commentating on that one.
3: What what words did you use? Just what I said there. I think <laughs> no. I said
1: that he that he that he was running so fast towards the backboard, and that I couldn't understand how he managed not to hit himself in the knackers.
3: I find it quite significant that he hit that tweener because Dominic Team is not a tweener kind of guy.
1: But as he said later, it was. It was not um, a, a flashy, a flashy it, option. It was, it was a necessity. It was the only option he had. Yeah,
3: but I'm sure there have been times in Dominic's team's career where he's had the same situation, Tween are the only option, and he sort of thought, oh, I better not It'll look a bit flashy. But this time he went for it and he made it. I don't know. I, I, th- I think that and the the Serena press conference incident, the, the thing in Rome where he spoke out... The brilliant Telegraph interview from The brilliant Telegraph, it all started oh, there, Monte Simon. Carlo, actually,
1: Monte Carlo. You know,
3: the, in Rome where he spoke out about the scheduling, they're all signs for me that Dominic Team is just puffing out his chest a little bit.
1: He's such a good bloke. Yeah, he? yeah. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I'd, to friends, gra- I'd like to be friends with Dominic Team, And I sort of feel like, well, he doesn't think... remember who I was, but, but, for, but for those two minutes in Monte Carlo... <laughs> You know, he's he's just like talking to... I think
3: you'd to, have to talk about Chelsea a lot. That would be a talk downside for me. It was
1: more the fact that he has his own football club, where, which people like um, Jürgen Meltzer play for. Um, and <laughs> amusingly, Ernest Gulbis, <Goulbert, laughs> who probably would be... I mean, I wouldn't want to necessarily be on the field against Ernest Gilbus. I would imagine okay. he'd, he'd rake his studs down my calf. But... Um, yeah, so he runs a tennis football team. I'm
3: amazed that tennis players can get insurance when they? they to cover them. The point football. is that they
1: always play other tennis players, therefore they probably don't go in for the challenges. And in fact team also added that although he's a Macaleley style central midfielder, he doesn't head the ball.
3: Well that's a that's a, a, a not uh not too modest quote. Macaleley style midfielder. Hang on, did you come up with that or did he uh, self describe? I think he said S E N actually. Oh, crikey! Okay, right then. Um, is Dominic team what I'm no, getting Chelsea, to? I what I'm getting to here is is Dominic team going to be a match for Novak Djokovic yeah. tomorrow? Let's remember so. that match is tomorrow.
1: Look, I think not Djokovic was brilliant, absolutely brilliant today. He was a little little bit slow off the mark, but as soon as he, he went five four down, had to break back. He produced insane returns because uh, Zverev hit four first serves I think in a row in, the, in that game when he was serving it out. So he didn't exactly choke. And they were insane returns, and then perfect uh, strategic points. After that, so and after that, Novak was untouchable for about six or seven games. He he didn't miss a ball. Everything was coming out of the centre of his racket, and he. uh, I mean, he he finished very well. But that that six or seven run game run of games from uh, five four down was just it was stellar. But. I think team's playing very, very well as well. So, yeah, I think that's a proper contest. I mean, I think I don't think it'll be straight. So obviously, Novak hasn't dropped a set yet, but I don't think that one's going to be straight.
3: That match will be played second on Court philippe Chatrier tomorrow, following on from Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal, which will start at 12.50 on Chatrier local time. I believe that sort of slightly bizarre start time is probably because television want first ball struck at 1pm.
1: So the forecast tomorrow?
3: Yes, the forecast tomorrow is... I don't, think it's well, it's cool. weird. I don't think it's quite Have as apocalyptic it? as yesterday.
1: Yeah, but it's really odd because it's like um, morning is, a, is showers and then at two o'clock the wind goes up to 50 miles an hour.
3: Oh, crikey. Have you not spotted that? Well, Djokovic does not like
0: the wind. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life, and of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
1: And it stays at 50 miles an hour for the rest of the day. <laughs>
2: Right then, but it
1: also okay, it's possible that, they, that there might be so much of a storm that you know they're off at that stage. So whether they're going to be playing in the wind, whether it's going to be actually unplayable from that point of view, I mean, it might not mat- need might not need Nick Kyrgios to throw chairs on the court because the, the, the elements <laughs> might be doing it for them. Has a the
3: match ever been called off for wind?
1: No, do you remember Thomas Burditch was very upset about against the Sandy semi-final Murray. against Andy Murray in 2012 yeah. when a, when the chair was thrown on the court by the wind. One of the um, but he's just a rubbish wind
3: player, Thomas Burdick. He's yes. always been a rubbish yes. wind player. It's a real and, skill.
1: And presumably, well, Novak doesn't like it Roger won't like it either
3: It's also a real um, disadvantage for contact lens wearers I always think <laughs> There's a headline for you tomorrow, <laughs> Simon. Particular. You are welcome. Uh, so those are the matches. <laughs> I, I should scheduled. be getting a, co-
1: a, a, a quote from an optologist. No, that's well, not a right. Op- do,
3: op- ophthal- ophthalmologist? Well, do, uh, Djokovic is uh, is a contact lens I Let's believe. Get for I mean, he certainly had issues with them in the past. I don't know whether he's recently had laser right. surgery, but that's been the case in the past. Oh, would you want to
1: go for a laser surgery if you were in Novak Djokovic? Imagine what, what, what the downside would be. Would you imagine they want to take that job on? <laughs>
3: So, that being Andy Murray's hip surgeon? Uh, so, those two are on Chatrier. Then we have, and I understand why these two matches are being played simultaneously, because, of course, minimal recovery time uh, for the women's semi-finalists or the women's finalists uh, who would play again on Saturday. We have both women's semi-finals being played simultaneously at 11am. Uh, one on Suzanne Longland, that's uh, Ash Barty against Amanda As... And, oh, God... And it's over. I, can't remember any I, that I one. was nailing it hundred percent of the time <laughs> until you arrived, Simon. And then uh, on Court Simon Montmartre, which I assume is where you will be, Simon, Joe Conta against Marquette von Drusheva. How oh, do you say, make... you say
1: it? I see. I, didn't, I you... didn't know there was a bit of a shh what in, you... in, in well, von Drusheva.
3: Why? Well, uh, I've I've been throwing it in there. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: Did... Any any grounds for for the uh, sibilance? or? I, mean, I I can't say an without. Shi it in the first place, but think, you can
3: I think some i th- I think maybe that 's a Daniela Hanchukova thing okay. that i 've heard her yeah, do it
1: yeah, she probably wouldn't know
3: um, but until someone tells me otherwise, I think it sounds good and i 'm pressing on with it. yeah what do we think of the scheduling tomorrow, Simon uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> there 's been a bit of to and fro on twitter has 't there? Uh, I don't think that there was any alternative at the, at, once they'd sold the tickets to the two men's semifinals as individual match tickets. Which now, is something my... they've
3: been doing since 2017, I think. They sold okay. two separate sessions on men's semi-finals day and actually the, the the Roland Garros website advertises it as a, as a sort of this is the mar- this is the marquee day uh, of the tournament so you, there is the fantastically glorious opportunity to sell twice as many tickets
1: so my See. next door neighbours have actually second mortgaged their house basically at the last minute when they, they've bought some sort of programme thing for the nadal Federer match once it had been confirmed that it was a nadal Federer match could you not have
3: Help them out, Simon.
1: I don't think I have access to that ticket. I mean, I can get them ground passes, but that wouldn't, wouldn't have done the job. As it happened, the ground pass would have got them on uh, Simone Mathieu, the greenhouse court, for Joe Condor, But no, we're talking about a uh, significant Rafa fan here.
3: I, th- I think they're selling tickets for Simone Mathieu. I think they are making hay while the sun does You doth, don't think there's a ground pass much? I believe the statement says that there will be tickets available for Simone Mathieu. Uh, But but if they've got
1: Chatrier, they should be able to get on there anyway.
3: I've got a lot of French press releases in my inbox, Simon. A la suite du changement de programmation. Dispute. No, you're quite right. Pour seulement 20 euros. For those less than 20 years old, the public will have tomorrow the opportunity to watch two prestigious matches. Also, some junior tennis.
1: But not so prestigious that they're going to be on Court Philippe Chatrier.
3: Yeah some prestigious but not schedule changingly prestigious matches i mean no one one can
1: think of a time when a slam semi-final has been on a court that seats five thousand in recent memory can they
3: i certainly can't i certainly can't i also can't think of a time when when three matches have been played simultaneously and the chances are that, that 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 will be the case um do you think they had no alternative but to do the schedule given given what they'd
1: box given, themselves
3: into yeah do you, do you think they'd handcuffed t- totally themselves yeah
1: because i mean there would have been a riot for, because you've got to remember that we're talking here about four women who've never been in a slam final um and we're talking about Federer and Nadal so I mean I put my piece it's the legends of tomorrow probably I mean Animus Over looks like a legend of tomorrow for sure maybe Vondra Sova as well
3: yeah in 10 years time we'll be getting her name yeah every time
1: they are (laughs) both of them but they they are obviously going to be huge whereas Federer and Nadal are huge and and may never play here again quite possibly it's just uh, it's a bit of a perfect storm if it was a case of let's say dominic team was going to play against um fabio Fanini or something i'm not sure it would have been quite as open and shut
3: but they are saying they they are saying that the the fact that of the the dual ticket sales on on Chatterey on what is scheduled to be Without weather intervening, men's semi-finals day. They're saying that, that that alone, regardless of who is actually playing, that alone makes it impossible for them to have done anything other than what they've done today. So actually, you could have ended up with, you know, nobody against nobody and nobody mm. against nobody. That that is that is what they're saying, I believe. I, I mean,
1: I mean, it can't happen again, can it? Because there'll be a roof next year, so the whole situation has getting, come about. They because are getting of a
3: little bit wafty about the uh, the certainty. If that roof oh, next really? year, I mean it's coming, but they're starting to row back a little bit on how how I mean, surely ready it will we can't be for have next another
1: year. no ball hit washout on a Wednesday. Just, the chances of that, I mean, how often do we have total washouts? I think the last one was in 2016, wasn't it?
3: Yes. The, yeah, there was one in 2016, yeah. And they called it off really early that day. I think it was the second Monday and they called it off uh, about one o'clock in the afternoon. So, I mean, you
1: know, I was on the radio and Jonathan Overham was very strong arguing that it, that it was a total shocker for the French Senate Federation. I mean,
3: it is a shocker. It looks awful. And it's he was an saying that they should have seen this
1: coming, but at the same time, it was a bit un- unlucky. <laughs> it was a bit unlucky that... Selling the tickets in the way they did ended up with they, having a knockout on the women's tour. I'm not sure I've seen that.
3: But you've got, but you've got a, <laughs> you've you've got a tournament where weather can and does intervene to some degree. It intervenes. Yeah, a no, if, a noble to some degree. Is, is, so is a bit
1: of a rarity.
3: So in in changing their scheduling for for men's finals days as they as they did in 2017, they were you know they would have thought through these permutations for mm. sure. They would have thought thought mm. them through and. Look, I th- I th- we've we've given credit to the tournament for its w- equity and scheduling, but it seems to me that you know when it's when it's easy enough, everyone will give a nod to to, to equality. But then, when push comes to shove, it's the women that get the shove that's the that's the that's it's sort of a
1: perfect storm though with um, with the way it turned out but uh, but I agree that the the, 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 the scheduling is, is something they brought on themselves with with an unnecessary decision to, to sell separate tickets for the men's semifinals
3: do you think it actually could help Joe Conter
1: not, not, sure. not to
3: be not to be on the main court I suppose
1: there might be more Brits in
3: she's the Only one of the four semi-finalists that has been in a Grand Slam semi-final before.
1: It's amazing, isn't
3: it? She is, dare I say, the favourite?
1: She's the second favourite with the bookies for the title.
3: After Barty? After
1: Barty. But, I mean, you kind of feel like the teenagers have played the best tennis in the semi-finals. Maybe?
3: Yeah, I would say so. Oh, Hank.
1: Joe played him unbelievably well against Sloane, but Sloane well, was not the race's first set.
3: I mean, Chris Evert says that well, that's one of the best clay court performances she's ever seen. Now, I I I think that's hyperbole, but that is Chris Evert saying that. Yeah, seven-time well, French knows Open champion. A lot
1: more about tennis than I do. But having said that, I I felt like Martich was a more uh, you know a more forceful opponent on I the day. I
3: think my feeling is that it is going to be the ultimate test of. Joe Conta's newfound malleability absolutely
1: absolutely. exactly that's kind of what I've been writing because well firstly you've got the weather which is going to be awkward and that's probably going to help Vondrasova because hands I mean that girl's got magic in her hands she can do anything with a ball from almost anywhere whereas as we know Conte is rigid but like uh, rigid in a kind of metallic kind of like (laughs) rifle way that allows her to fire the ball with a you know huge power and and when she gets it right, it's that flat hitting. I mean, uh, her rallies have been so short. Um, Craig O'Shaughnessy has some good stats. So, like There have been 25 rallies of over nine shots or something that she's been involved in in the tournament because she just takes it on and won't let you get involved in a rally. And, that, and the question is, how will Von Drusha deal with that?
3: Because with it, drop shots, Simon.
1: <laughs> with drop well, shots. Well, and also Billie Jean King had an interesting thing to say. She said, when I was playing a player like this, I would hit to the other side. Keep it up a backhand. I mean, like, just not her hit backhands. I haven't seen a, hit, a, fore, a forehand drop shot of you.
3: No, that's a good point. But I, I obviously
1: I, you can't uh, hit to the forehand all the time. Yeah, but, okay. uh, but I mean you need to hit to the backhand in the knowledge that you might you don't want to be hanging
3: back after you hit the ball there. A a, a, a side effect of the whole scheduling hoo-ha is that if Von Drusheva were to make it to the final, she wouldn't have played on Chatrier. Up to that point, right?
1: Yeah, all, all, that, that is that is quite a, all, a disadvantage, isn't it? All
3: three of the others have. I mean, it's not completely unheard of that D- David remembered that uh, David Nalbandian hadn't played on Centre Court before the 2002 Wimbledon final against mm. Leighton Hewitt. But it is hugely un, unusual, and it's generally, and generally to be avoided.
1: Is a very specific court the, the mm. enormous playing area that it has out there, which, as we've discussed before, is one of Nadal's favourite things about the
3: court. So would you agree with the bookies that Barty's the favourite from here?
1: <laughs> I don't really think it's that there is a favourite. Isn't, isn't it? I mean, but, 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 but let's get back to the preview podcast. So we said 25 players could win it, right? Yeah, yeah. But we underestimated <laughs> it, didn't we?
3: <laughs> yes, we did. We did. I mean, in fact, I, I, I remember slightly flippantly saying, "Joe Conter, is she in the mix? Yeah. And she was, I think, considered at best on the borderline.
1: On the borderline, but um, Animus over, was she 50?
3: Yeah, 52 in the world, something like that. 52 in the world?
1: Um, Not in the mix.
3: I think we put Barty in the mix. Oh, yeah. I mean, David's got her winning a slam this year. If she ends up doing it here, I'll be. There'll be three beers vastly annoyed at him Uh, there's one big match Simon which we've yet to preview for tomorrow which we absolutely must it's Federer against Nadal (laughs) take number 39 Um, there's a sense the way they both have been talking about this particularly Federer he he's he's almost you get the sense he's feeling a sense of destiny in the whole thing like this this is what brought me back to clay the inevitable journey to rafael nadal that's that's the terms in which this is being talked about It's been seven years i think since Federer beat Nadal on clay Madrid two thousand and twelve um but he's won the last five in their mm. of their meetings he's he's down in the overall head to head i mean there's so many dimensions to that rivalry I asked Chris Clary of the New York Times earlier who's in whose head at the moment because I think at various points in the past they've each been in one another's head and neither of us could quite figure it out
1: well uh what was the quote that Roger gave in his post match uh, the other day he said something about you never know when you play Rafa there could be rain delays Uh, there could be a, a storm um and I was thinking well Surely a storm is the last thing he wants. I mean, Rafa Nadal, (laughs) as we know, is probably the best wind player there's ever been, having grown up in the trade winds of Mallorca. Whereas Federer does quite like a a hot, still day. So I'd say that, that alarmingly, for Federer, who kind of needs everything in his favour in this rivalry, it seems to me that the conditions, and it's only going to be 17 degrees or something.
3: Oh, but Rafa won't like that.
1: Um. Well, I think he doesn't like it, chilly. I think he, I think he'll be happy with it then, because I think he can play the slower ball. He can retreat and then take big swings in a way that I'm not sure Federer has that option. You know, Um, it's not. I agree, it's not Rafa's favourite. But I think it matters more for Federer that he needs pop on the ball more than Rafa here, because Rafa he's just got that ability to to work it with 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 the extra revs on the ball. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think you know, this all started with Rafa almost goading Roger, saying... When did that happen? We, well, I haven't been able to track down the quote, but it definitely at some point last year he made a, a side uh, eye kind of comment about, well, he, he's not playing me on clay at the moment, yes, is he? you're
3: right. That did happen. That I can't did remember happen. where
1: it was, but it definitely happened. And and I think that was what got Federer back. <laughs> I think he kind of like bit on that. And so mentally, for me, that's like Rafa's one. He's 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 poked him into coming back to his his house.
3: But the fact that Federer's taken the challenge is that not you know if he if he'd shied away from it and gone yeah, but nah. I still
1: sort of feel like he's sort of like the 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 cavalry troop running into the machine guns on the sort of first world first world war battlefield and he's about to get chomped
3: if joe conter and roger federer win tomorrow how much coverage will they get relative to one another in in the british press in the telegraph we have jim white here now as well stories compare
1: jim white who went to the women's world cup today for his accreditation and was told he couldn't have it because his passport said james white
3: no yes
1: he wasn't allowed in
3: So So he's now got to put in a
1: whole new uh, application under the name James White. And uh, obviously no one knows Jim White as James White.
3: Righty-ho. Anyway. uh, So he's got to divert his attention to the tennis in the meantime. Yeah, so
1: he'll be here at at 11 o'clock tomorrow with me on uh, Simone Mathieu, uh, assuming that it's not uh, chucking it down because all this could be completely redundant we could be meeting here tomorrow Catherine yeah. and having the
3: same conversation we could because be, we, nothing might have happened we could be calling on Andre Medvedev again oh that's right <laughs> um, I can what think, was, I can
1: think of my Ash Party interview from Madrid
3: uh, yeah or the Dominic team interview from Monte Carlo
1: yeah, that was a cracker
3: it was a cracker so it, what was my original question there felt like it was a good one and it got lost <laughs> it's a space in the paper what's a bigger story? What's the biggest story? I mean, we know internationally what's the biggest story, but in the UK, what's the biggest story? Uh, Conta. Yeah, but but by an order of magnitude?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we haven't had a Grand Slam finalist in 77 in The Women, have we?
3: No. Will Sue Barker fly in?
1: Sue Barker will be there in uh, black and white, no doubt. We'll be bugging her with uh, constant requests for verdicts on every subject uh, about the final. Whether she'll be here in person, I don't know. Christine Truman will be here, I'm sure.
3: Yes, I believe she's already here, actually. OK. Yeah. Uh, so that's tomorrow. So a, a total smorgasbord of semifinals, all of them tomorrow, which is an absolute treat. Unfortunately, it's going to be impossible to, to pay attention to all of them. But there they we go. They might not
1: even happen, as I say.
3: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's all quite, like quite, a, quite well, a
1: decent possibility of the What are they going to do horrific. with the schedule
3: on Saturday, then? Well, the
1: women's final have to move to Sunday.
3: Crikey. I've got plans for Monday, Simon. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, be staying in Paris an extra day.
1: 2012. That was um, the year, wasn't it, when it when it overran into, yes. the, into Monday.
3: They started the men's final, didn't they, and then carried it over. Is that right? Anyway, we digress. I better dispose of that lunch, it's haunting me from from a couple of metres away, lunch, dinner, it's dinner whatever it was, it was absolutely rancid (laughs) (laughs) that's what I've that's the uh, plans I've got for Monday, having a decent dinner, Uh, Simon it's been a pleasure, Uh, read Simon's stuff in the paper tomorrow, I'm sure it'll be contatastic, will it?
1: Yes plenty of contat, but sort of in the context of the wide open sort of uh, uh, it's a knockout feeling of the women's draw,
3: the mix the mix has been proven to be I think it might get mentioned in both pieces crikey matt you've you've started something i was struggling today to be fair <laughs> it's the last resort um we've been the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph by simon's paper have a read of what he's got to say and james white
1: <laughs> <laughs> james white maybe the <laughs> name jim maybe
3: the name jim was the source of all his powers and it's all going to go wrong now um charlie eckleshire is on the case as well uh, we've been brought to you in association with who else our executive producers tennisballs.com. simon you're checking cricket schools again it's it's creating interference on the line oh
1: sorry what happened with australia
3: oh dear i don't know because Darcy I was
1: uh it was actually diligent, about diligently
3: that put my phone onto flight mode sorry. <laughs> uh where was i rear with a y he's a great dog he's our mascot and uh yeah tennisballs.com. did i do then we'll be back tomorrow when i hope there'll be tennis to discuss we'll see you then Well, just moments after Simon Briggs jogged away from me and we finished that podcast recording, an email actually landed in my inbox from the WTA with a statement uh, on the scheduling for men's and women's what's turned out to be men's and women's semifinals day Tomorrow, Here at the French Open and the statement reads thus from Steve Simon, WTA CEO and chairman. He says, there's no doubt that scheduling has been challenged by weather conditions and the WTA understands the scheduling issues presented at Roland Garros. We are, however... Extremely disappointed by the scheduling of both women's semifinals on outside courts. This decision is unfair and inappropriate. The four women who have played so well and made it this far have earned their right to play on the biggest stage. We believe other solutions were possible, which would have been to the benefit of fans as well as all players. It's a a very strong statement, I had to say, stronger than uh, I was expecting from the WTA. I think uh, a lot of people are following up to it with the question of, you know, what other solutions were possible? What do, what does Steve Simon see as the other viable solutions? Um, I think it's it's been discussed in detail on the pod. It's certainly something that um, I've been talking about on Twitter, as have many other people. There may well be more discussion and more fallout for tomorrow. But for tonight, I uh, just wanted to bring you up to date with that um pretty interesting statement really from the wta so once again we've been the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph with simon briggs who's probably now at whatever pressing social engagement it was that he jogged off to uh, with our executive producers tennisballs.com and with rio with a y our lovely lovely mascot we'll see you tomorrow
0: a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend